hello and welcome to another Hidden Her Story podcast. Um, today I've got a, a, another special guest here to chat to um, and this is actually our first international guest. We feel quite uh, honoured that we have uh, artist and writer <laughs> Renee Gerlich. Is it Gerlich or Gerlich? Welcome to uh, our... Do you know what? I actually alternate um, because it's Gerlich, it's Dutch, so you can choose. <laughs> but yeah, welcome. go with Gerlich. Right. Oh, sorry, I just had something in the background there that I needed to turn off. I could hear my own voice. Um, yes, yeah, so anyway, we've got Renee here, and um, Renee is going to talk about her new series of books, which you can see behind me. Um, it is called A Brief Complete Her Story. And being an English teacher, I'm picking up on those two words straight away. Complete and brief are very kind of almost at two ends of the spectrum aren't they Renee yeah so one of the questions I mean I'm sure we're going to answer this in the podcast is how do you go about condensing you know centuries of women's history into how many volumes of your book have you got it's seven seven so you've got seven volumes of this book and I'm really fascinated I know that um I'm, I'm going to find out more about the book so can you just um, tell, tell us a bit about yourself first and what sort of inspired you to write these books that's that's what I'm most interested in yes sure um and I have to say I well, I've, I've just done this um interview as well with the green flame about the books and another one that's coming out with women's liberation radio news which is a great platform mm -hmm. um and I don't want to overlap too much uh with those and I also love what you do at hiddenherstory.com. Um, and I feel like I'm really excited to talk with you in a way that matches what, what you're doing. So I'll try and keep some. And feel free to ask free. me any questions about the website. I'm sure there's things that we'll connect on, you know, that we're both sort of trying to do similar things. So feel free to ask yeah. me questions as well while, while yeah. we're here together. So um, well, one, thing, one thing that struck me looking at your work is mm -hmm. that um, it's it's really similar in that we're both talking about women who are left out of mainstream history, yeah. but it is almost um, the polar opposite of what I do in that your stories are even more obscure than the ones that I've found, and they're offered kind of in random. There's no there's no sequence or order, so it's like which is amazing. So I've done the opposite, which is to to um create a continuous narrative one continuous narrative and the purpose of what I've done with the brief complete history has really been about the narrative because mm -hmm. I wanted a narrative of her of history of history yes that could help me understand the world better mm. so I actually just discovered your website recently and when I did I thought and actually, this would have been useful as a resource for me, but I'm also really glad I didn't find it because I would have been overwhelmed. Like I would have wanted to include everybody and I couldn't do that. So when I wrote my narrative and um, my volumes, uh, I obviously had to be really selective about choosing those women who mm. really represented the zeitgeist or... Um, you know, who were really, you know, so in the fourth book, I talk about the suffragists, for instance, and um, Emmeline Pankhurst, mm -hmm. who most most feminists know who Emmeline Pankhurst Absolutely. is. So she's, she's not highlighted. 
she's one of the more well-known sort of you know women yeah well I love yeah. all the stories about the people that kind of were following her you know it's I there's these big yeah. names and everybody writes about them but and they're obviously really big important names um to include yeah but like as you say the, the ones I find are the obscure people that you've never heard of yeah exactly um, and so my motivation was more about because a lot of feminists refer to the period of suffrage as the mm. first wave mm-hmm. of feminism mm-hmm. which in a way is a is a funny idea because it suggests that there wasn't any feminism before absolutely. that absolutely and, and so there was yeah I think that I implies think, that these women just came out of nowhere that's it so I, I think my, I, my, my interest sort of, I think my interest first came in women's history when I was doing my undergraduate degree when I was about 30 and I picked a thesis which was I loved 19th century literature and I remember kind of I, you know, I knew I knew stuff I wasn't really a history person then I was more of a literature person um, but I remember reading The Vindication of the Rights of Women because um, my undergraduate thesis was on the silencing of women in sensation, Victorian sensation fiction. And I remember, you know, I, that, that's the first time I'd really came uh, come across Mary Wollstonecraft. And um, so, you know, feminism started way back from, from the suffragettes. And that's my understanding, you know, that, that, that it sort of started a long you know a long time before that and probably Mary Wollstonecraft and, and there was quite a few other women who were campaigning for women's rights you know so it's you're absolutely right you know everybody sort of pins Emmeline Pankhurst and the suffragettes as the beginning of the first wave of feminism but it does go back a lot a lot lot further and I'm sure yeah. your books are going to take us right back to the beginning aren't they really yeah, um, yeah. And everything well, you know yeah and well, so and my my books start from the beginning of um the so the from the Big Bang mm-hmm. and then the evolution of life mm-hmm. and then they talk about matriarchy right um and they kind of say so um you know and I'm aware that some people don't like that term because they think it is it it, it represents some kind of bias toward a female supremacist Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. society or something like that but the way that I talk about it and the way that I've read about it it's much more about a natural way for humans to live and organize Mm -hmm. ourselves children come out of their mothers they grow up with their mothers they have Mm -hmm. the birthright to the land that their mothers live on uh, to me, there's nothing utopian or hypothetical or wild about that proposition. Mm-hmm. And so if that's true, and if if a matriarchal way of life is our nature, then mm-hmm. that means we have been protesting from the beginning. Absolutely. Or consciously, because mm-hmm. that's the nature that we want to live. And it, it goes again, patriarchy goes against our nature. I mean, this is obvious. This is why we don't just have you know, violence and, and oppression, but also depression and mm-hmm. anxiety and all of these kinds of yes. things. <laughs> human being is not into this. Mm. And so that so then, you know, then the books kind of show how women have been resisting as long as we've been oppressed. Mm. Um, I would actually love to know how far back your hidden hosts, like 
when is your earliest oh gosh well the the, the, the way I find these stories I mean I, I, it one day it could be a Victorian woman the next day it could be you know somebody from the yeah. 12th century it just it I happen to just sort of discover these stories and and I then I discover sort of books and stuff. So at the moment I'm 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 reading a book where basically it gives you a woman a day. Um and, yeah. and that about covers, you know, again, like so many different periods of history. So um at the moment we've only we, we don't really go back as we're only going back as far as I think the old the old historian there sort of goes back to the to the 19th century. But in, in my other blog, my old blog. Um, we didn't actually have very many I don't think we really concentrated on like the, the sort of um, going right back to the to the beginning because um, I think yeah. a lot of people have this so I think the problem for me was that going back to the further you go back the less women there are um, and I you know and I think most of the bloggers and most of the people podcasting have probably covered like some of the the best ones like Hepatia and people like that and I, I sort of feel that if somebody's if somebody's if two or three or four people have covered those those people I there's no need for me to do it unless I'm you know chatting about those people in a general conversation with somebody so but it you know it, I, I found women I found a woman the other day who um was um oh, and I can't remember her name that's the trouble when you get old um but I found yeah I mean you know I find these women every day so yes we could go back to the Roman times one week we could you know we could be we we could be in any period it just depends what stories pop up and uh you know and if I happen to sort of be reading a book and I'll find a, a, a woman from um, you know medieval times or Tudor times if the story is interesting for me it's not so much about yeah. the period it's about the person and what they did and how you know and what how they did it in the context of of the time that they lived so I'm not ruling out that you know we, we will have you know women from all different periods of history but at the moment we haven't we've only tended to go back about 200 years which is not a lot really and I know you know compared to what you've done we're just we're staying up that end of the you know of the of the historical timeline at the moment but I am interested in finding out more you know there there are so many women out there that's what interests me about this there's so many stories and there's so many different historians who focus on different periods that you know every day I've got books and names names and names reams of names and you know they're from everywhere and every period and every sphere so you know, there's, there's plenty of women out there um just to happens you know, if they grab my interest or I've got a guest who wants to talk about them then that's what I tend to focus on um but yes there are there are lots of ancient women now I, I learn I learn about them all every day a new one <laughs> so uh no we'll, we'll be doing stuff on um on on further back in history as as time goes on I think yeah. Who, who was your favourite woman from that sort of period, from from right back in the beginning? Who who would you say would be the first sort of woman that you uh, focus on in your in your early books? Um. So, because I begin with these matriarchal cultures, there's mm -hmm. in that sense there's kind of not. Uh, so one of the anthologies that I draw on for that is called Societies of Peace, which is a collection of essays by. Indigenous women talking about the Indigenous cultures that they come from. So then, mm. paradoxically, the earliest women are also the most current. Mm -hmm. they, um, I like that idea. Yeah. Yes, that's really interesting. Yeah, but of course, those aren't resistance stories as so mm. much as they are, you know, women testifying to human or you know human origins. Mm -hmm. 
how we are, how we live, our human nature. Um, and then uh, I talk about the creation of patriarchy. And I think the first woman who I speak of in a feminist sense of, um, yeah, is in the time of King Hammurabi or just after, so uh -huh. Babylon. And she's, her name is Enhidwana. Uh -huh. Gosh, Enhidwana, in, yeah. Um, and she's the first named author. Right. In, in history. Mm -hmm. the, history. First, uh, the first named also, you know, regardless of gender. Yeah. So well, this is a so period cool. where, um, <laughs> yeah, this is the, you know how, so Babylon is, the, uh, the Babylonians are credited with originating writing script. Mm -hmm. Some feminists question that because you know, the, I don't know if you know the scholar Maria Gumbudas who studied Neolithic Europe. No, that's another new name for me, so thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I, I recommend her book, The Living Goddesses. It's amazing. Mm. So she looks at Neolithic Europe and she looks at uh, these symbol groups that you can find in um, pottery or carvings or mm. um, figurines from the period. And she argues that some of the inscriptions that you that might be seen as iconographic is actually could be considered script. Right. Um, so there's, you know, but anyway, I think you know, the the um, cuneiform script of the Babylonians is it's fair to say that's the beginning of of written of writing right um and that was originally for for records for kind of like accounting records mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but in in Hidwana was a poet um and she did things like call on the goddess Inanna um for, I have heard this in fact that this rings a bell now because it was in one of my little like dip in one lady a day book and yes I now it's coming to me I, I read about her the other day and I remember wow. reading the times and yes yeah, so that's there you go I, I didn't make the connection that I, I dipped in yeah. and read something about this woman the other day that's amazing but the poems yeah. were very um it was the sort of yeah that they, they were very I'm trying to remember what I read now but they were they they, it, they they were they were they were sort of really speaking from her womanhood, weren't they? And this sort of thing yeah. hadn't been done. You know, it was centuries before its time, really, wasn't it? I think from what I can remember yeah. reading about her. No, yeah, that's really. I, I, I didn't realise I'd made that connection there until you said the name. So that's really cool. <laughs> so I think, like, as distinct from your work my work tends to just kind of try to talk about these women and position them in a broad narrative. Mm -hmm. So you you would probably tend to delve into the details of their lives and work mm -hmm. much more. I've only done that in some cases. But I, I think um, Indahuana reminds me of Sappho a little. Like mm -hmm. they're both poets and their work seems to um, both celebrate being women, call on these female goddesses who are older than the patriarchal mm -hmm. stories about them and also there's a sense of lament um mm. for a time that they are still much more closely connected with than than we are now in 2021 mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah so I, I mentioned Sappho as well and um one of those books behind you yes. and um 
in that same one as well, talk about Boudicca briefly. Yes, Boudicca is a is a huge one, especially because I live in where I live in Essex, um, Colchester, and that that area was where she what she was from. So Boudicca is kind of like the you know the ultimate Essex girl for us here, and those yeah, people who get the Essex girl thing, you know, she is like yes, we love Boudicca yeah, here, yeah. here in Essex. She's a she's a big one, and it, but again, I mean, for me, so many people have written about her. Um, and I'm, there's a book at the moment called What Did What Do What Does Boudicca Do, um, which has one been one of my favourite books, and it kind of meshes in sort of like life advice. It's kind of aimed at a much younger audience, I think. But um, for me, I loved it. You know, so you've got this life advice, and this book takes sort of women, and then says, you know, what what for for younger girls and for younger sort of women, what can you learn from this? And um, you know, Boudicca was about standing up for your rights and for fighting for things and um yeah she's a she's a big she's a big hero here in Essex for us <laughs> so that's like a spin on the what, what would Jesus do yes yeah what it's kind of like yeah and it's a great it's a great little book but it's one of those ones you can kind of just dip into and the chapters are I mean it's you know it's, chapters are really tiny but it will just give you a little kind of taste of who the woman was and I think they've got like 365 or 66 women there's quite a few little books like that now you know where you can just dip in and, and or it'll be like what happened on that day in women's history and they're really good I think for people who just want to sort of you know dip their foot in or have never really read anything like that before they're great books and, and for younger people as well for younger readers um, so I, I sort of get the idea that maybe your books are a little bit like that so you've got because they're not they're not massive are they you know they're they're, they're, no, they're, they're, brief. Very they're, they're brief but they're complete that's what I kind of liked about that yeah, yeah. that's that, that when I looked at the picture of you looking at the you know the books and they're, they're quite thin and I thought well yeah. how how has how has Renee managed to get all of this information into a you know a fairly brief book and like that's the idea that fascinated me really um, so, and, and so in 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 the books then are you kind of you're obviously you're drawing on a lot of other people's work so is it is the idea sort of similar to mine then that people will come in they will buy the book they will learn something about a woman and then maybe go off and do some further reading because that's the sort of idea that I had you know you just give somebody a little story and hope that you know something will click with them and they'll, they'll go off and actually you know do a bit more research and find out more about that woman so is is that something that you do in the book then recommend sort of other books to go and read if you if women want to kind of explore these feminist questions and you know in in more detail is that is that how the, is that how your books work or have I got this totally wrong <laughs> yeah they all have quite a bibliography at the back yeah. and that was a huge part of my motivation was to share reading recommendations mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that took me a really long time because um I didn't grow up with feminism right. so I defined a lot of the stuff myself I kind of put I, I guess I feel like I compiled this history more than I wrote it for sure mm, so mm. it's compiled out of all these other books that I read yeah. and I kept reading until I felt like I had a story that was continuous there weren't any jarring gaps so right. that's also why they're kind of uh, that's what allows them to be short because mm -hmm. my emphasis mm. has really been on the continuity mm. so I lie about them being complete <laughs> <laughs> I don't tell everything that has ever happened. 
<laughs> you, 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 I, I, that, that's what fascinates me because I know like when my, my biggest problem when I'm writing a blog especially if I find a woman I'm really really interested in is that I can get all this information you know and there's so much on the on the internet now you can just put in a search and I don't find all this information and then I've got like oh my gosh this is going to take me like a week to process and read and then write and then you know and you, you just sometimes there's just so much information on some things how do you sort of condense it down I have real problems because I really want to go into detail and I have to keep saying to myself uh, okay you know my brain keep it concise and I'm yeah. editing things down and trying to but then I feel oh well I need to keep that bit of information in and I want to you know I don't want to snip that bit out so how, how was that was that sort of a process that you went through going writing the books and having all this material and then kind of narrowing it down to fit the narrative that you were trying to tell my brain works in the opposite way. Right. <laughs> I'm not detail oriented. I'm oriented toward overviews mm -hmm. and the and big picture. So I don't have to really worry about filtering detail. My brain will filter detail right. until I have somewhere to play a big picture to place it in. Right. And that's partly why I wrote these books because mm -hmm. I was I'm, I find that frustrating. I'll learn something interesting, but I won't hold on to it because there's mm. no there's nowhere to put it so if yes if I run out found, of space after a while don't we <laughs> yeah I just I just I need context mm, that's it mm. I need context to absorb any information mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. um when I wrote these books I was really wanting to provide an overarching context so that um when people like me find work by women like you we can just like <laughs> absorb it because mm. all the context is there and just mm. enjoy it and rather than being like you know like if someone did something in 1920 and they were I don't know like Serbian mm -hmm. <laughs> and you don't know any context that's mm. hard to appreciate mm. exactly what that meant and 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 who was doing what in other places at the same time and how that relates so yeah my mind is oriented toward context so I didn't really have that's really, I find that really interesting but I, I know what you mean about information I, I had um, many years ago I had, a, I had some head injuries and it kind of affected the way that I process information so I, I used to love reading fiction books when that's what I did my degree in um, but I found after I had the head injuries and I came out with coma and I found that I couldn't concentrate on um, like fiction stories anymore because I couldn't remember the plot and I'd have to keep going back and rereading. Oh. And it, it really, you know, considering I spent so many years at university reading so many books, to all of a sudden not, and these were all sort of like fiction books and classic novels and things like that and plays. Um, and then that's how I kind of ended up reading more nonfiction because my brain sort of changed and I can take in facts and I can, you know, um, if it's something, if it's about, you know, that's why I started reading biographies because I'd pick biographies of people that I was interested in, didn't know a lot about, mm. but I could process that and I could read those a lot easier. I didn't have to keep going back because it was factual. So, it, 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 you know, the way the brain works and processes information is really interesting to me. Um, and luckily, yeah. you know, I, I thought at the time, oh, I'm never going to be able to read again. And this is like, it's robbed me of my enjoyment of books. But that's how I ended up 
say sort of getting into biographies and from then on found all these wonderful stories first of all in books and and mm. that's sort of how and then I just you know I thought well there's so many authors sort of writing about this stuff now that's the thing years ago there wasn't um, and then all mm. of a sudden these books started to come out and they you know the reason I started the website little things like going onto Twitter and looking at like on this day you know a lot of people post about what happened on this day and you scroll through and there's like 20 posts on baseball players and you know football players and 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 then like one or two on women and I just thought there should be more you know it's like all this stuff is about men and there's there's very little about women so you know I when, when you start to sort of realise that and realise how many stories, women's stories are written out in whatever century and I think the further back you go, like sometimes, you know, obviously the stories are even more erased and then you discover that they, they are there, you know, but men have written the books. So that's why we're not, you know, we're not included. And um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, when I've discovered all of these women, for me, that, that, that you know, there's, there's now people making films about them, there's people writing books, there's people, you know, the, the, the whole sort of let's tell these women's stories thing has taken off in the last few years and I, I sort of did started it about four years ago but there are so many more people now doing it and you know they've, they've obviously had the benefit of being like qualified historians I, I'm not you know I, I taught in a high school and a college for a couple of years but that's as far as it goes um, but obviously you know those people have got redressed to getting a publisher and getting a book out and that was my initial idea um, in the you know, back in the beginning but once you go into these things you realize it's a lot harder to actually get your you know if you've got a book and you want to write a book and you've got an idea it's a lot harder to sort of get it out there so is that why can I ask because Dragon as uh, it Dragon Cloud Press is your uh, publishing company is that a company you set up yourself to publish the books through? Um, well just like I say that my books are complete mm-hmm. um, I say that I have. I am a publisher. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's brilliant because you, I think there's this whole uh, thing about do it yourself now. And if you, yeah. there's no need to go sort of chasing a publishing deal because if you're smart and you know you can set up your own publishing company and, and and do it yourself these days. So I think that gives women even more freedom to to write books and to you know be creative and do do something like this. So it's it's brilliant. Um, so yeah, tell 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 me a bit more. I mean, the books. The books, there's, uh, you've got, there's a, there's three in the first set, and then I think there's four in in the in the second lot of books altogether, isn't there? I think is that have we got that right? Have I got that right? Yeah. So there's seven books in the series, and I printed. I had the first three printed all together earlier this year, and mm-hmm. the final four are going to arrive this week at my house. They're being. Can I ask what was it like? What, what was it like when you got the, the box for the first time and like your your book, this this baby, this project that you've been working on, you know, when you open that box and you see that book in, you know, in its, in its you can hold it, you can smell it, you can see it. How did that feel for you? Uh, must have been... oh, it was amazing because the printers I'm working with are yeah. really good. Um, so that we specially chose the paper it's recycled paper and it's beautiful paper mm-hmm. and I feel like sometimes the screen can be more flattering mm-hmm. for images and sometimes the hard copy but in this case the hard copies mm-hmm. look better than than the screen version um, my files so 
that was really lovely to see and they feel nice as well the papers <laughs> have this beautiful texture and they smell you know so yeah that's that's great but I mean there's also this thing where if you're um uh if you're any if you're a creative person you're creatively in inclined like often by the time you finish something you kind of want to move on to the next yes. thing and you're done with it yes but then yeah. when you finish something and then a whole bunch of copies turn up at your house and you realize that now is actually when the work starts like that's it and then you've got on. to promote it you've got yeah. to, you know you've got to get on <laughs> the, get like, on the oh, blog into the interviews you've got to get out there and sell the book but I mean also I mean people um for people who don't know your work um not only did you write the books but you also did all the illustrations which are beautiful um and we, we can see some here in the background but I must tell like listeners and readers that they can actually purchase like postcards I've looked at your art and you know so you're very you're multi-talented really because not only can you write and produce these wonderful books a whole series of books you know some people struggle just to write one um but you've got this whole series it's you know it's it's concise but it's it's covering so much and then there are these there's this beautiful artwork that goes with it so I'm really interested what came first you know like your interest in in, in in writing a book or your art or was it sort of did it sort of all just gel together at the same time and you you, you know did you do some paintings first and think oh you know I could base my book around this particular painting or was it the other way around um actually the the hunger for context is the thing that was first the the this really deep need to have mm -hmm. some understanding of the what is this world that I'm living in right. from when I was a kid Mm -hmm. yeah and I studied art history right um and when I did that I started keeping I started keeping scrapbooks mm -hmm. of history so that this happened then and this happened then in order to try and form some sort of narrative wow time, and it wasn't until I started reading feminist literature mm -hmm. that I that really gained momentum and it started turning into something that made sense to me and that could mm. be continuous and then I just read like a monster. Like I just read everything I could <laughs> until the narrative was something that I could, yes. you know, like complete, obviously not exhaustive, but a potted history that had a had a beginning with the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. And, and a middle also and an I end. could talk about neoliberalism. Yes. Um, which is the current political context that we're in. Right. Um, yeah, so I just, it was the reading, the need for context, the reading, and then the need to distill all that reading into something that I could share. And that is what these books, that's what drove these books. And then the illustrations are um, just because um, painting is something I really enjoy. And yeah, and I also wanted to create books that feel undemanding for the reader. Like I, I want to offer an overview. They're each really short. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, you said that and you saw that already, but they're like, they don't have a spine. So, mm -hmm. yeah, they're like a magazine. Um, and I wanted to do that on purpose because I wanted, you know, women who are busy or women who want to prepare themselves for further knowledge, like mm -hmm. not actually commit to reading huge amounts of information. Mm -hmm. I wanted women to feel like, these books aren't demanding you can have an overview with just not too much investment of time and energy mm -hmm. um 
and it's friendly to you. It's not. Mm. It's not. On I can see, but I mean, the, the cover would make me want to pick that book up if I saw it on somebody's coffee table, you know, any of the, the covers behind me, because they, they do look interesting. And the, I think, you know, the, the illustrations make you want to open the book and, and, and read them. So I think it's good to have something visual as well, or visual reference. Um, but who, what, what would you say that the age range of your sort of readers, who are the, who are the books aimed at? Are they, are they aimed at a very wide range of readers or are they aimed at... I mean, because it says on your website the questions that women are asking about things like politics and religion. And, you know, I'm still asking myself those questions and I'm in my 50s and I haven't got the answers yet. And, you know, I've got a daughter who's in her 30s who's just becoming a mum for the first time. And so, you know, she's asking questions about um uh, you know herself all the time and I've got you know granddaughters who are coming up to just about to be teenagers who you know I'm trying to instill in them that you know it's because I grew up in a very different world I'm sure you know you did as well my granddaughters having to sort of negotiate being a woman or becoming a woman uh, you know there's things that I need to teach them so are your books sort of aimed at younger readers or or, or, or you know are they just aimed at generally at, at women um, I really wanted to make them for a wide, as wide an age range as possible, and particularly mm. younger readers, because mm. I remember hungering for something like this, yes. from, like as early as I remember, but um, I, I couldn't quite achieve, there's too much brutality, mm -hmm. if you want to talk honestly about what patriarchy has done to women. Mm -hmm. So I tend to say 17 plus. Right. Yeah, 17 plus um, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then I would say that if um, if someone wanted to give these books to a woman younger, or, mm -hmm. um, then read them first. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Because absolutely. when a 15-year-old girl can be ready for these or not, I don't mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. um, it would have to be something that you, yeah, people would have to gauge individually. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say the first three books uh, are more accessible in terms of the content. Right. Um, but the, uh, the fifth book is the war period, mm. the world war period. Um, talks about eugenics, like talks about some very difficult things. Difficult, yes, yeah. complex subjects. Yeah. Um, it was the hardest one to write. Uh, so, I, I can imagine, yes, because it's, um, yeah, I can imagine. Um, I actually thought about sharing with you something about um, the fourth book, um, okay. because it's your period. It's your period. <laughs> Yeah, and I would just be really curious. Like okay. I thought, if I, I thought I could tell you a little bit about it and okay. the women in it, and then I'm sure that you will have. I'm sure that you'll want to tell me about women I've never heard of, and I'm really curious. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> the so the fourth book in my series um, is kind of like uh, the establishment, the industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. Um, the origins of capitalism mm -hmm. and the slave trade. And so it talks about 
Um, it, so it has this, it includes a story about Abigail Adams writing a letter to John Adams when he was writing the Declaration of Independence mm -hmm. during the American Revolution. And she wrote to him and said, you need to include the ladies. Mm -hmm. um, and he wrote back to her and said, no. <laughs> um, so this was, this confirmed that, you know, the common law that, that regulated chattel marriage and criminalized divorce and everything, mm -hmm women was going to be imported in, into the United States from mm -hmm. Britain. Um, and then it also talks about the suffragists and how they kind of responded to that by um, trying to win the vote. Um, but also when it discusses the slave trade, mm -hmm. I draw on a recent book that you might be interested in. It's, it's only come out, I think this year or last, no, I think it came out this year, not last year. It's called Wake, uh, A Hidden History of Women-Led Slave Revolts. Oh, it's, by, <laughs> it's by a woman called Rebecca Hall. Um, yeah, a historian who's gone deep into the archives to find, find this history of mm. women-led slave revolts. So one thing that I quote her saying is... Um, that on the slave ships and the transatlantic slave trade, the more women were on the ship, mm -hmm. the bigger mm -hmm. the likelihood of a revolt, mm -hmm. which mm. I thought was incredible. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and then it also talks about like Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Emma yeah. Goldman, the anarchist. Mm -hmm. um, and I mentioned Buffalo Calf Road woman, an uh, indigenous woman who fought the United States Army on horseback in the 19th century. Wow, so I'm, that, gonna, I'm gonna have to get the copies of the book now because I'm, I love the idea that you're like bringing from you know, indigenous women as well because I'm, there's so many stories out there. You know, I think white, there's enough white women, sort of English women, Australian women, Canadian women. Our stories are all kind of wiped out. But when you get the indigenous women, their stories are wiped out even further. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, that, that when I read stories about um, about indigenous women, whether it's from, from Australia or America or Canada or wherever, I, you know, I love these stories even more because, you know, they, they, they some, sometimes they've just been obliterated by the colonialism and, and, and the patriarchy and that they're, you know, we, we don't ever get to hear those stories unless somebody like yourself digs them out and, or, you know, works with other authors and, and promotes these stories in, in your book. So it's, I love these stories. So you might have to come and do a blog post for us on like indigenous, <laughs> indigenous women from New Zealand, because that would, that would be fantastic uh, to be able to um, learn more about, you know, women that I I'm obviously not probably going to hear about very much sort of over here in England. So, yeah, it's, it's brilliant that we've got international guests who can kind of shed the light on women's history worldwide. That, that's, you know, that, that's what I kind of like about talking to a whole range of people because we're, we're getting women's stories from different countries and from different backgrounds. And, yeah, you know, every, every single story to me is one that needs to be told. So, yeah, I think we may have to we may have to chat about that later. <laughs> you can come and do a lovely <laughs> post for us. And, uh, keep promoting the books as well um, sorry I interrupted you so ca carry on <laughs> yeah that's that's an overview of of that fourth book um, mm. I also really enjoyed finding out about um, 
some of the somewhat lesser-known women from the suffrage period, like Edith Garud, mm -hmm. who was famous for suffragettes. Mm -hmm. yes the suffragette I mean yes when you find out like well, there's so many things you know I, I I did I think in Britain it was um in 2018 it was the centenary year and that's kind of I I actually threw myself into that over here in Britain I thought you know I, I thought I knew quite a lot about the suffragette movement um but I got involved in all of these brilliant things um and there was so there were so many like free things going on with like there was free talks um, from the Fawcett Society um, and happened to have a couple of historians whose like work I really enjoyed so I had this wonderful um, I called they called it the month of Millie after Millicent Fawcett who was um, she was a, a, a suffragist in the UK um, and so we had this month of Millie and the whole idea was deeds not words so it was going to do things rather than writing about them so I thought that was rather apt and the most brilliant thing is we had in London there was a huge um, thing called processions so I don't know if, um, if you picked up on that and basically what they wanted to do was recreate the um, 1980 uh, one of the one of the huge marches in London uh, which had been one of the significant sort of protests um, so they wanted to recreate this with with volunteers. So there were thousands and thousands of women who all converged on in Hyde Park um, on the on the anniversary of this march. And we all had we were all given. I mean, the, the logistics of organising something like this was was amazing. So the organisers did brilliantly. Um, and so we all converged and we were all kind of we all had to sort of wait in line and, and we were all sort of filtered through this march and we all had these coloured scarves like red, uh, green, purple and white which were the colours of the, the, the suffragette um, movement and as we walked the walk from Hyde Park all the way through London down to Parliament Square um, they had overhead cameras so it was like this whole moving green, purple and white you know snake we were holding the the, the, the colors over our head and it was it was it was the biggest um it was it was it was it was said it was the biggest sort of uh, interactive piece of art um that had ever been uh, done so to feel yeah and, and it was such an amazing atmosphere there were all these women there were you know we were all some were dressed as suffragettes one woman had like the houses of parliament made out of cardboard on her head um and and it was a it was a really fantastic atmosphere all these women sort of just coming together and celebrating you know the fact that some women over 30 got the vote in 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 1918 and to, to be a part of that and actually you know I, I remember sort of I got a little shiver down my spine halfway through and you just sort of look around there were all these amazing banners that have been made by these women for months and months and months recreating the old you know suffragette banners and you sort of just look around and you think I'm, I'm actually being I'm doing something that is you know celebrating something in history but I was also making history on that day by being there and I just sort of suddenly felt this wonderful connection with all of these suffragettes you know and all these women that had it really made me think about how much you know people women had fought to get that vote and how important it is and and what I loved about it was there were so many young women young girls and uh, you know shouting we want equal pay and I thought this is great because you know these girls are learning and they're with their mums and they're you know they're learning about this now and you know they're they're, they're, they're they're clued into it in a way that I don't think I ever was at that age. Um, so yeah, I, I think all these sort of celebrations of women's, especially of the suffrage movement, um, has done so much to sort of you know, 
bring this back into the public attention that even though you know we got the vote 100 years ago actually like there's so many more things that still need to change in terms of women's rights and you know equal pay is just one of them and when you actually look into the figures you know yeah we, we haven't kind of achieved that really there are still you know so many things that we need to achieve and uh, but it's when, when you involve yourself in something and learn something that's so important you know it, it's um it was a privilege to sort of take part in that but I also learned about so many women that I you know never heard of and it keeps coming back as well because I did an interview with somebody um the first interview we did was about Mary MacArthur who was a, a suffragist and a trade unionist and I hadn't heard of her um, but I realized I had actually seen her picture um, we had a statue that was put up of Millicent Fawcett in Parliament Square which I went to visit with my daughter and Mary MacArthur's picture was actually on there so I but I didn't know of her at the time um so you know it's it, it's amazing there were so many people talk about Emily Pankhurst and people know I think over here Emily Davidson who threw herself under the horse you know or was trying to pin a flag on the horse and got trampled depending on which oh, yeah. reports um but you know they're the famous figures in in the UK for us um but there's there were so many women you know working behind the scenes and so that year I sort of divided my blog posts up and did I thought well let's have a look at English suffragettes Welsh Scottish Irish and Essex in my area um so it was really interesting sort of looking at different areas of the UK and then sort of seeing how women reacted to it and you know the Scottish Scottish suffragettes were very very militant and wanted to you know bomb and blow up things and you know do and but whereas the Welsh suffragettes were more sort of let's do it peacefully so it was really interesting looking at how many you know how all these facets in the in the suffragette world that some people weren't you know some people were against the, against the militant action and and there were different sort of branches of the suffragettes here and I, I didn't really know very much about that before but you know after that after that whole year and months of kind of immersing myself in suffragettes it was um it's a really you know I I, I learned so much more um and that, that's something I really enjoy doing and and uh, you know a lot of reading somebody's book and picking up things that I haven't actually you know I don't really know much about because it's surprising I think we think we know a lot about this stuff but when we actually delve into it we sort of just know the basic facts a lot of the time and it's when you feel the detail in for me that you know the picture comes alive um so did you concentrate more on sort of on the on the suffragette movement in in New Zealand or did you cover sort of America and England and the whole sort of thing in your books my books don't focus on New Zealand because they're an effort, as I say, to do an overview. And one of the things I wanted to create an overview about is what are the dominant systems? Mm -hmm. So they're very much about what, you know, that. Um, so if, if you want to understand the dominant kind of systems of power that we live with today, you have mm -hmm. to, you have to understand a bit of US history, you have to understand mm -hmm about Europe mm, mm, <laughs> um, and so I do include New Zealand and my sixth book as well is very much global um, as right. well as the second one on matriarchy but as soon as there's um, you know, like when I talk about the creation of patriarchy I use Gerda Lerner's book called The Creation of Patriarchy which focuses mm. on Sumer and then Babylon so as soon as there's some sort of story about how power um, is consolidated or created or established or mm -hmm. 
kind of look at the center of that um, power or that construct fabricated power, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, so um, mm. but when I talk about that suffrage period, mm -hmm. yeah. um, I'm really trying to do something that you indicated, which was basically to show that there isn't one. And see, personally, I'm an anarchist. So mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite figures from that period is Emma Goldman, who actually yeah. said that there's some risk in framing the vote as a right if the state is an imposition mm -hmm. because you're basically framing what is in fact an imposition as a right and that's a paradox mm -hmm. and then when I write about someone like Buffalo Calf Road woman a Native American woman who fought the United States Army on horseback what would she have said about fighting for the women's vote like I think she might have mm -hmm. laughed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the idea and that's one of the costs of for instance, leaving out Indigenous history because you don't get, not only do you not get the stories, but mm. you don't get the perspective and the perspective right. is also a really important aspect of context in terms of understanding the world today. Mm -hmm. Historical context is important. Geographic mm -hmm. context is important. Very much. But the nice. kind of, I don't know what else to call it, philosophical context. If you only get the suffrage story and you only get the story of particular suffragists mm -hmm. and you then are led to believe that every woman agrees with not only suffrage as a strategy, mm -hmm. the, the fight for the vote as a strategy to improve women's lives, mm -hmm. but also the particular way of doing it. If you yes. then believe like yeah. oh, Emmeline Pankhurst kind of represented women at this time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that mm. isn't that's not true. I but she she not, didn't she a lot of people think she spoke for every woman and you know and she and she didn't and there were a lot of like branches of and groups of women who went off and formed different you know um organizations um and, and that's what surprised me you know, how many sort of different organizations they were and they all had this sort of slightly different idea about how to affect political change um and it uh, uh, yeah you know for me it was like I, I hadn't realized that um, that there was there was there were some people who you know who were pacifists so they didn't some women who didn't agree with like you know the, um, the more radical forms of, of suffrage and 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 I that think you know, we, we don't get we don't get taught that in the history lessons in school yeah. you know we get taught about the suffragettes but you they do seem to even now and it's been a long time since I've been in a classroom but um from talking to teachers you know the 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 the, the, the people don't really kind of realize that there, there was all these other sort of subgroups and and different people with different political views that you know wanted to do mm. things slightly differently and then you know they did give up during the war as well and even that was sort of argued there were some suffragettes who wanted to carry on but they felt it wasn't you know it wasn't quite the done thing to everything that needed to be poured into the war effort but there were some suffragettes um and some quite militant ones who you know really did want to carry on but they had to kind of they had to kind of toe the the, the line and real you know realize that it would probably actually be a bad thing and public opinion wouldn't go down very well um but and, and i'm still you know learning about all of this stuff like it's just amazing i'll find another book and there'll be another sort of you know there'll be another woman that formed another sort of group or had different views so i do find it really really interesting and it is difficult for one woman to speak for all um you know we all have different ideas don't we on on different things and it's like 
um, politically, I'm not sure where I stand now at all. <laughs> I think I've always been fairly sort of left wing. Um, but even, you know, that, that, that sort of, yeah, I'm not sure where I stand at the moment, because politically in Britain, I think we've done such a whole. I know that, you know, I'm not, um, I'm definitely not, not, I don't, you know, I don't support our, our government at the moment I really think they have, they've done a terrible job with everything but um, I also don't have much faith in like, the other side either so I think at my age I'm just sort of at that age I'm thinking well politi- none of the politicians in the mainstream you know, actually talk to me in any way shape or form so I think it's interesting how you know our politics change as we get older and I, I wouldn't say I was an anarchist but I like some of the ideals behind it um but it's, yeah, I think uh, it's one of the one of the things as well, like saying that, you know, Emmeline Pankhurst didn't mm. necessarily speak for women, but in another way she did. Mm, like mm. one of the things that I found when I've looked at women mm. like her, and I, you know, my own story is an absolutely incredible book. Mm-hmm. I d- I uh, would I stand with <laughs> I'm with uh, Emma Goldman on the anarchy and on mm-hmm. questioning suffrage as a, as a motive but mm-hmm. his, like I also in the fifth book talk about Rosa Luxemburg who was a socialist mm-hmm. who felt um like Simone de Beauvoir did earlier on in her work that that socialism preceded feminism that that, mm-hmm. that women couldn't be free until we had economic mm-hmm. equality mm-hmm. and economic equality was was a socialist question mm-hmm. um and so you know but so when you can read like um Rosa Luxemburg Emma Goldman Emmeline Pankhurst and get completely different take on mm-hmm. the nature of oppression what and what to do about it mm-hmm. but there's something about these women that is so universal mm-hmm. and to me that is what comes back to like what I was saying before about the knowledge that the world we live in right now is not how mm. it is, is antithetical to human nature that's coming out of them mm. in their writing like mm. you, you don't just it's not just intellectual positioning or mm-hmm. tactical or um you know because I'm not I'm not a reformist and I'm I'm quite allergic to reformism and I think that suffrage is ultimately a reformist movement when you read Emmeline Pankhurst, she doesn't write like a reformist who's, you know, fixated on the specifics of legislation. Mm-hmm. You know, she is just so wholehearted and so passionate about women. And she cares, like she first kind of politicized as a feminist working um as what was called a poor law guardian, and she was mm. she was seeing women in workhouses, and she was seeing yeah. the the state that that you know women and, and pregnant women and, and young mm. women with children and um, raising children by themselves were put in like in these workhouses, and mm-hmm. um, based on that, she just became this strident voice for women, and then for me the how was kind of secondary, like the fact that she was a suffragist secondary mm-hmm. to the fact that she cared about that more than she cared about public opinion, which is also mm-hmm. what I respect about, you know, her militant position on, on suffrage. It, you know, the, the need to stand for these women 
through by any means necessary you know so mm. even mm. if it got her imprisoned even if it you know everyone hated her even if she got ridiculed was um you know and not doing that as a martyr but doing that out of love and mm. and because it was true because mm. these women were mistreated um yeah, that to me is the is one of the overriding primary beautiful things about her story is is finding that there is this divergence of opinion, mm-hmm. but it seems secondary to this incredible spirit, which is in all of us because it is that part of us that mm. says, you know, I, I think it, it it's you know as women we choose how we how we take on the fight, don't we? And yeah. um, I think you know. Over the years, I, I would say I, you know, I, I, I was quite, I was quite strongly feminist when I was at, when I was in my twenties and thirties because I was just awakening to this, I you know this, this realization that oh wow, you know, like men rule the world. I can't do this. Why is, why is my mother still asking me to do the dishes and my brother gets to sit, you know, and watch TV? Uh, so, but because I, I was brought up in the seventh, sort of well, I was born in the sixties and born up, grew up in the seventies. So, I suppose I was aware as a, of all this sort of feminist movement. But it wasn't until I sort of got into my sort of nineteen, sort of twenty, and I was at college and you come into sort of more you you know you do classes you 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 end up talking to to lecturers and stuff when you're at college and you sort of become awake awake to this stuff but then I started to question things like you know why does why does my why do my parents treat my brother differently to me why does he get away with more why you know is it because I'm the eldest or is it because I'm a, a woman why you know why doesn't he get asked to to do like household chores and and then you start to question that and then you read books and and like you say you know when you decide that you have to sort of fight against these things you then have to decide sort of what you know how you're going to do that and um you know I've, 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 I've over the years I think you know as you get older you change as well so you know now I think if, if I if I hear of any you know anybody who doesn't who's female and doesn't use their vote I'm really kind of like, I'm like you have to do this you know you have that power and women fought for that and uh, one of my daughter's friends you know and um, she said oh she's abstaining from voting and I'm like I was screaming down the phone saying you, you can't do that you know you you, ha- you, people again, died for this, you know for you to have you know, to fight and you have to do it but how you choose to sort of how you choose to fight you know the, the patriarchy because we do come up against it like every, every single day you know I do as a woman and I see things and I hear things and I think oh you know should should I speak out and correct that sometimes I do sometimes I don't you know um but it's it, it's we have to choose as women and, and I and like I think the idea that you said about these books aren't your books answer questions and I'm wondering I'm sort of taking myself back now to that sort of 20 year old me who was asking all those questions and like you said I think your books would have explained them really well for me and given me a more of an insight and I think that's you know as you say when you're at a certain age you, you you're looking for for something that gives you you know some of these answers you won't maybe find all of them um but so I think yes this I I get the idea now that your your book is there to sort of give people the the the, some of these answers and then sort of you know go off and and read these these other books and these works and 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 find those answers you have to find them yourself but what you're doing is sort of giving women a, a starting point um and you know from from history and right the way through and I think that's brilliant because it's you can dip into different periods of history 
that like you say sometimes you need to see the the, you know, the whole picture and understand that patriarchy's been there right from you know when we were amoebas right the way up to like present day and things we still haven't you know we're not we're not living in that perfect world are we Renault? there's I think there's so many things that you know still need to be addressed for in terms of of, of what women can do um to, you know to have more equality I don't I still don't feel that we you know we, we have that um in a lot of things I don't it's it would it's too much of a bigger conversation to sort of go into what yeah. what, what needs to be done um but you know I feel this every day women get paid slightly less than men you know the way we get treated at work it's it's still there you know and 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 with all the the me too movement and I do a lot of like stories of, about women in the film industry and it never ceases to amaze me, you know, this casting couch thing and it was still going on with Harvey Weinstein and it just, you know, you, it, it goes back to the beginning of, of the film industry and it's it's been like that from day one and we still haven't managed to change it. Um, so, you know, they're, they're the sort of questions and things that I think um, if you're starting out on that journey into feminism or you want to, find some of the answers to that question then I think um yeah people are going to find them find this in your book aren't they Renee so I think this is fantastic um so uh where, where can let, let, let's uh let, let, let's tell people where they can actually get the books from um because uh, are you selling them as a whole set or can people buy them individually um at the moment you can still buy the first three individually and I'm selling the set of first the first so as a bundle as well mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. the last four as a bundle only mm -hmm. um yeah so yeah you can buy the set where you can buy Which you can sort of buy the first three. three and have a little taster and see you know if you like them and then or hopefully the like people will buy the next one and it's sort of a bit like a cereal then <laughs> So yeah. have a little taster at the beginning and then and, then, and if yeah. they really like it then they could I think that's a brilliant idea because it's um and giving like you know putting the first three books I think yes people you know people will read those and and then think oh, I, I want to carry on now I don't think you can sort of stop when you've only got half the history haven't you so they're gonna have to find, <laughs> half to find out what happens you know later on um so yeah it's been fantastic talking to you Renee uh, who, I, I have to ask this question you, out of all the women that you've written about who who is I, I think I asked at the beginning but who really is your sort of favorite it, would it be Emily Pankhurst or would it be somebody else who who was the most of the, the, the woman that you really enjoyed writing about or the, you know the most out of I know it's hard to just pick one but if you had to and, and you know maybe, maybe somebody we haven't heard of that would be brilliant to just throw a name in there <laughs> and tell us who, who you enjoyed the most if I'm very brief can I say three <laughs> yes no three is fine three is fine we'll have a one two and three <laughs> in no particular order <laughs> um so one of them comes from book three one from book four and one from the last book which is on mm -hmm. neoliberalism and that last one um would be Vandana Shiva mm -hmm. um who um is one of the most vocal critics these days on neoliberalism mm -hmm. she's also a scientist she does um seed saving and she is also very much spiritually inclined so she doesn't make a distinction between um talking about the material realities 
of oppression and 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 being spiritual as she is, which I find incredibly refreshing. And I, I like those voices which are expansive enough to include mm, mm. all of that. And she she's one of those people, so I really admire her. Um, and then I would say in the third book. I talk about Matilda Jocelyn Gage, mm -hmm. who is one of the lesser-known first-wave feminists. Uh -huh. So she wrote a book in 1893 called Woman, Church, and State. Mm -hmm. And it is one of the most incisive um, analyses of patriarchy that you could possibly mm -hmm. find still now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for that reason, it's for that reason that she was marginalized because the book doesn't really lend itself to a reformist, right? Um, reformist conclusions like mm -hmm. patriarchy looks completely irredeemable when you read Matilda Jocelyn Gage's work, but it was mm -hmm. also inspired, explicitly inspired, by living among uh, Native American women, the Haudenosaunee. Right. So she saw how these women lived. She was made an honorary member of the Mohawk clan. Amazing. And realized that she had more freedoms within this group of people who were mm. from a completely different culture to the one that in which she was raised wow then she had with her own yeah so she, her, the, the first chapter of her book woman church and state is called the matriarchate mm -hmm. and she looks at matriarchies from around the world mm -hmm. having seen one having lived with the Haudenosaunee among the Haudenosaunee um, and and actually that brings me to uh, I know you're wrapping up, but I want to okay. say <laughs> brings me to another point you made earlier about Indigenous women and Indigenous histories because I feel frustrated when I talk about Matilda Justin Gage mm -hmm. and how inspired she was by Haudenosaunee women. There I can't name any of these women. She doesn't either. I don't know why, but it's quite difficult to um, talk about the specific women who then actually enabled some of these first waves to radicalize because they learn from these indigenous women mm -hmm. about how it is that mm. people can live together. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah. Um, and then the last person I would mention, I've already mentioned several times, Emma Goldman. Emma Goldman. Um, I, I knew she was going to figure in the top three there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because again, She's an anarchist, and I and I used to think I used to I don't know if I bought into it, but a lot of people have this idea of anarchy that they've kind of passively acquired from the culture, which is that it means basically chaos mm, and mm, everyone yeah. for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a projection, and it's ironic because capitalism is is the system that mm -hmm. pits everyone against each other and every man for himself. That's mm -hmm. that's happening. Anarchy, when I read anarchists, they're a kind of, they understand that freedom and responsibility are basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. So reclaiming your freedom is reclaiming responsibility. And mm -hmm. I feel like anarchists have this spirit in their voices which shows that they're up for that. Mm. And they're up for a world in which everyone does that. And the state can't possibly manage it. Mm. It's a contradiction, mm -hmm. you know. The state can't be in charge of everybody doing that. You know, they can't mm. regulate it or or um, monitor it or you know what I mean? Yes. Um, yes. 
So I find that spirit in the work of in the work of Emma Goldman. Mm. I think I, I need it. to go and read some more. I need to read more Emma Goldman. <laughs> I'm quite I'm quite interested <laughs> by that because I do feel like you know the, the whole like if if you understand the, what's happening in the UK at the moment. I mean you know we are like we're the capitalism is just not working here for a lot of people and brexit and you know there's a lot i see it on twitter every day and um you know uh i and i, and I sort of see the I, I see all these different arguments and i like i said to you i'm i've sort of come to that point where i really don't know where i stand politically on a lot of things you know and as i say i used to be you know i used to be fairly left-wing but i think i'm probably heading more towards that direction now because i think you know the state we're in as in the uk it's it, i don't want to say too much but you know we're not in a we're not in a very good place at the moment and capitalism is only working for you know certain members of our society and for the majority majority of us um it's giving us a really hard time and then you know throw a pandemic in with that and you've got a capitalist government it's always going to be the wealth of the nation you know beyond uh, before the, the health of the nation so we're kind of um yeah when when we're, there's a lot of people not very happy at the moment with our government in the uk um but whether you know the voices will be strong enough to, to to get things done and maybe you know move people along in getting rid of the government i mean i've got to say like in new zealand like you're, you've got a fantastic prime minister just in Geraldton, haven't you there who's been doing like so much for in the covid I, you know, I, the things I've been reading, I think I can't uh, stand it. I can't, can't stand it. <laughs> no, no, I think it's no, great that no, you've got this, a woman head of state, but then we look at Margaret Thatcher about... as our first woman. Yeah, I, no, I mean, as I said, <laughs> and so I cannot be. <laughs> no, you know, I'm living currently in a climate where the narrative that is come, the narratives that people. Uh, speak day to day mm -hmm. are coming so much from the top down mm -hmm. governments work in rhetoric they don't work in values they don't mm -hmm. operate according to values but they mm -hmm. can convince you that they do mm -hmm. with propaganda mm -hmm. and with pretty slogans right. and when you have a government like ours mm -hmm. a liberal government who's telling everybody to be kind and mm -hmm. has a smile <laughs> yes like with a smile and um, we everything that we do is for you um, mm. and, and then people buy into that and they're walking around I suppose they do I don't really know much about New Zealand politics I just you know I kept hearing like that it's great that you've got this woman prime minister but I don't really I don't really know you know I, I don't really know anything about New Zealand politics really um, but yes yeah, so I can I can kind of see that that would be quite cloying as well and it's just as bad as yeah you know, um, I guess as well like for me I, I there's this woman from the UK called Ray Story, who I used to be in touch with, who, mm -hmm. um, who, who's an amazing writer, and she has this line, I'll try and remember it properly, where she says, the purpose of feminism is not to create a shining walkway for a female leader, mm -hmm. but to, you know, to improve the lives of women overall. I can't remember the second part mm -hmm. of that sentence, mm -hmm. it's just something to that effect. Um, and I'm, I'm really not interested in celebrating people in positions of authority because they're mm -hmm. in a position of authority mm. i can't be led to being interested in that so i yeah. know i'm supposed 
<laughs> and I'm supposed to feel really lucky that we have her, not Boris Johnson. Mm, yes. <laughs> when you're an anarchist, you just can't really get enthusiastic about career politicians at all. Like I um, can't really conjure that in myself as uh, much as anyone tells me that I should feel the need to. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally agree. I, I, I've had arguments and discussions with like friends, you know, over the last sort of 18 months. And, um, you know, I think like, I think one discussion, and it was just like, you know, we should just have like one of the people running the country, but then, you know, absolute power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely doesn't it so I think you know it's it's a very hard thing to say if even if there was like a sort of revolution and a, a people's party took over there is always going to be somebody who's going to have that power and whether it's man or a woman or it's it's the nature of of, of governments isn't it um but we we could talk about this all night it's really fascinating yeah. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to come and we'll have to have another, really I'll have to gen up on my politics which at the moment I'm sort of I'm so politicked out with everything that's going on in the UK I just sort of think oh it's the same it's the same thing every day in the newspapers and I just sort of I think I've got fed up of reading it now so I just sort of switch off and go and read my books on women's history instead and just sort yeah. of and concentrate oh, yeah. on that because politics yeah. is just yeah. it's like and it's it's terrible you know you can't talk to anybody um about it in this country because everybody's got like opposing views and it, it that's really yeah. shocking you know when you start to talk to friends and you realize that like your people you've known for years suddenly have these views and you never ever thought you know uh, so that's, I think that's quite the nature surprising. of the world we live in it's now the, the nature is, it, yeah it that these divisions are becoming more and more splintered and more and more apparent at the yes, same time so absolutely someone but, you could have got along with before or agreed with or agreed to disagree with mm -hmm. or whatever now mm -hmm. it's like everything from what kind of whether you have a two or three ply and face mask or like <laughs> all of these things that's like tiny decisions that you make through the day now politicized and high stakes attached to it so yeah we, we are we are living in we are living in very very strange times Renee but um it's, yeah. uh, I think um it you know it's fantastic that we've actually got to chat today um to talk about your books now now I'm I, I, I'm definitely going to have to order a set for myself so that I can uh, have a look at them and, and read them so you'll be getting an order off of me I think at some point maybe for a Christmas present for my daughter or something um and we'll definitely have to have you back, I think, and have a, you know have another chat, or maybe get you to do a blog post. So um, that, I think that would be really interesting. But it's been absolutely fantastic to chat to you. Just to plug your your website, where can people buy these books? What is the the link? We will put it on the uh, on the website anyway. But just tell the tell the listeners where they can go. Um, you've got a Facebook page as well, haven't you? I think. And a Twitter. Yeah. So my my um, publisher brand is dragon cloud press yeah um so my website is dragoncloudpress.com um and then you can find me by searching dragon cloud press on twitter facebook and instagram that's about all the social media i can handle we'll, we'll, we'll um, put the links if we'll you put follow the link. me that'd be massively helpful because i have absolutely no social media prowess. <laughs> well that's the thing you have to get all the support <laughs> It's taken me. It's taken me like about four years, I think, to get two thousand followers on Twitter. And yet, when I've had accounts for other things, you know, it's really easy. It's actually quite hard to engage people to come and like read what you've written and stuff like that. I found, um, yeah, I, I had like. 
doing had different accounts for different things and it was much easier to pick up followers <laughs> it's quite hard but yes guys ladies everybody out there if you're listening to the interview today and you really want to um help renee then please go and buy the books because i think people will find them really really interesting they can also get postcards as well can't they renee of your artwork i think there's some lovely ones on there um for that the compliment the the, the the books as well so if people want to buy a nice postcard and frame it and have your artwork on their wall they can do that as well can't they so i think that's excellent so guys women anybody who's listening today go out buy renee's books go to the website have a little look see what she does and um keep supporting all these wonderful writers and artists and authors that are telling women's stories renee it's been an absolute delight to um chat to you this evening uh, i'm going to take myself off to bed now you've got the rest of the day so i hope you're going to have a, a lovely day <laughs> go off and do some nice things today or just chill out and relax after this interview but it's been fantastic talking to you and we wish you all the best with the books keep in touch with us and um, we'll get you back for a, a follow-up maybe in the new year and see how things have gone and hopefully you'll get some orders um before christmas for your books and uh, <laughs> And, um, you know, we can see the sales going up a little bit because that's the idea. <laughs> so go and buy Renee's books, so buy her art, go and, go, and, go and buy the books and then you'll, you'll, they will, you know, they'll get these questions. They'll have a lot of reading to do and lots of things to uh, go and pursue, won't they, if people read your books. <laughs> that's the idea. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Renee. We wish you a Thank good day. You. And thanks for catching up with us. Take care. Thank that's you. Cool.